Welcome to Truth Transistor Radio. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hendrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 1618. Hello, Truth Transistors. Welcome to episode number 35, and this will be Signs of the End Times. And um, yeah, so we're going to look at some passages uh, concerning the signs of the end times, and we're going to look at why, you know, maybe some things going on um, that are unusual in history that, um, that makes me believe that we might be close. So... That's what we're talking about today. But first, I'd like to discuss something known as guilty until proven innocent. Now, in our Constitution, we have something that I think is is a good idea, and that is innocent until proven guilty. But as our society has declined in morals, uh, I think also the ways things are done have declined. Now, sometimes if there is something bad that's going on, we it is good to react to it and try and fix it. However, there's also an overreaction to things. Um, let me give a couple of examples, okay? Um, in the 60s, uh, there was a civil rights movement, which I think was a good thing. Uh, there were people that, um, react in any positive way that wanted to find solutions and logical ways to, you know, and, and I think of Martin Luther King Jr. where he seemed to want to bring people together uh, in his message, right? And it was like uh, that we would not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. And then you have had more extreme movements, which basically say that all white people are guilty of slavery or, you know, all white people are racist or, you know, minorities can't be racist or things like that. And that's an overreaction. And um, I think that's, it's racist to even say that, you know, they don't even realize it. <laughs> but um, I, that's what I would call an overreaction where you think everybody that's white is racist or, or whatever. Um, so then, then there's other things like the Me Too movement. So I think the women's rights was probably started from a good place where there were women being abused, you know, women not being treated right at the workplace, whatever it is. And so there's a reaction to that. And that's the women's rights movement. But then beyond that, you have feminism, which basically trashes men. And then you have uh, this Me Too movement. Now, I think that number one, let me just say this. If a, if a woman accuses a man of sexual assault, I think that accusation should be taken seriously. However, an investigation needs to happen. And if, you know, 
and and I think it's pretty simple. A lot of people say, well, it's it's oftentimes it's a difficult thing because it's his word against hers or whatever. But here's how I would look at it, okay? Because I believe in innocent until proven guilty, both the man and the woman are innocent until proven guilty. What do I mean by that? Well, okay, in whenever there's cele- celebrities and there's a woman accusing a man, you will have some people out there saying that she's a liar and all women are whores and all this stuff, right? And then some people saying that he's guilty, he did it, you know, you have to believe the woman. I think both of those approaches are wrong. And this goes back to the Cosby case, if you remember, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, The media, there were people in the media either saying, he's guilty, he did it, end of story. You, You know, there's so many women out there accusing him, so he must be guilty. Other people saying he's innocent. All those women are lying, (laughs) right? Those kinds of things. And there's people that will take one side or the other, sometimes based upon their own demographic. And, um, and, and so what the way I approach it is every situation is unique. Now, let's suppose in the investigation, you cannot prove that he did it. But you also cannot prove that he that sorry that she was lying. In that case, I think the simplest solution would be a court order for separation for him to stay away from her, but nothing in terms of punishing or whatever. Right. That's what I think, uh, at least seems like a simple, logical solution to the situation. Um. Now, I have heard there are several cases now that I've heard in in celebrity situations where somebody gets accused. And and this is more in the last 10 years or so where somebody gets accused and they immediately get suspended by their supervisors, which I think is wrong. Unless they are able to have substantial evidence then I don't think that should should occur. And I want to mention a few of these and talk through them. Um, now, I'm, I, I'm, you know, the, the Bill Cosby situation, he did go to court. He was, you know, convicted, although there is questions on that, but I'm not going to mention that because it did go to court, right? So... That's different. Um, There was a football player by the name of Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I'm only mentioning ones that I'm familiar with. Now, the NFL is terrible at making decisions. It seems that if they have proof on video, and I'm not saying every time, but sometimes they'll have proof on video of assault, let's say in a security camera for a hotel, and there's somebody hitting somebody else. They will slap them on the wrist, give them a little fine and a two-game suspension. On the other hand, there are people that are not, there's no proof, no evidence, and yet they'll give them a six-game suspension. <laughs> you know, does that make any sense at all? You know, um, 
or maybe because they were so, you know, relaxed with it before that they're overreacting. And now they're, you know, anytime there's an accusation, they they're going to suspend them, period. And um, so anyway, this player, Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm familiar with him because he's on the Dallas Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys fan. But um, before he got drafted, there was a woman that accused him of assault. And it was his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend. And he denied doing it. And there was an investigation and they ended up suspending him. But he appealed. Now, here are the facts that came out. Um, there were bruises on the woman. And the NFL said, we believe that was from Ezekiel Elliott. However, there were witnesses that stated, no, those, those bruises came from a fight she had with another woman. There's also, you know, through email or texting or what have you, where this girl is texting or emailing a friend and asking her to tell the police that Elliot, uh, Ezekiel Elliott um, assaulted her. And she responded, her friend responded, so you want me to lie? And the girl said, yeah, we need to, you know, we need to, uh, <laughs> basically, as it turns out, when you really dig deep into it, it looks like this girl was upset that he broke up with her before he got drafted in the NFL. And she was trying to figure out how to get money from him. Uh, that's kind of the gist of what through all the facts that that came out. And now, I do I know that for sure? No, I'm just saying that there is questions on her honesty uh, as far as what come out came out. And, you know, and yet the NFL was insistent on suspending him anyway, <laughs> which I think is completely wrong. Now, other facts about this case is that there was no police report. It, well, she tried to file uh, reports with the police, but they looked into the situation and said there's nothing there. But here's the precedent. Maybe you don't care about sports, and it doesn't really matter. Sports is just sports, right? However, this is the precedent that's being set here. So in the Constitution, it says that the law is unable to, you know, the law has to abide by innocent until proven guilty. However, there's this loophole where companies can punish somebody without proof of guilt. You know, they can say, oh, there's an accusation. OK, we're going to suspend you or fire you or whatever. And I've I've heard people respond to that by saying. No, that's only the Constitution. That's only for the, you know, judges or, you know, um, for legal things. It's not for companies. They can do whatever they want. My argument would be, no, look, this is common sense. Innocent until proven guilty is common sense. If you're a parent and you have two kids and there's a missing, uh, I don't know, a piece of a, a cookie that's missing, <laughs> And one of them ate it, and they're both pointing at each other. Would a good parent take one side over the other and say, I'm going to believe you just because? <laughs> or are they going to investigate it 
and try and figure out who did it. You know, um, so there, there's, I think there's a right and a wrong here. This is just common sense. And you have big businesses punishing people without proof. Just because they, you know, the Me Too movement is a very powerful organization right now. And they will make a lot of noise if there's an accusation. I mentioned Ezekiel Elliott, and then there's one that probably more people are aware of, and that is Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I don't remember if I talked about that on a previous episode or not, but that was kind of a, I think it was six or seven years ago that she accused him and he was automat he was immediately suspended from Disney. Uh, he was in, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, I have not really seen Pirates of the Caribbean, so I don't really care about that. I, I mean, I've seen a few Johnny Depp movies. I think he's a good actor. But what I'm more concerned with is how this affects everybody else. You know, it doesn't really matter. Like, people are like, who? Wh why do you care about celebrities so much? I don't. Amber Heard is a celebrity, too. Not as big as Johnny Depp, but she is. Um, now if you watched any of the, you know, the court sessions of, of that situation, it seems to, it seems like all the evidence that came out made her look like a liar and him look like a, a victim of a narcissistic girlfriend who ended up accusing him of doing something. Now, did he do something? I can't prove that he didn't. But it seems like all the evidence seemed to to show that she was kind of the aggressor in this situation, right? And re more recently, there's a guy named Michael Irvin, also a former football player. Now, this guy has a history of getting in trouble. Now, most of that was in the 90s when he was a player. Now he's an analyst. And... You can look up that if you're if you're interested, but basically he was accused of assault and immediately evicted from a hotel and suspended by the NFL. Now he was supposed to be an analyst for the Super Bowl, so he was going to be there the whole week. This was in Phoenix, Arizona. And he immediately called the local media in Dallas and told them what was going on and he was trying to figure out what was happening. It took 3 court orders and about two months before he could get information regarding some more specifics of, of, of things. But basically, he was able to get the security camera footage because this happened out in the lobby. This was not in a hotel room. The accusation was that he talked to this woman in a lobby and said some vulgar things and uh, was aggressive towards her and was drunk and all this stuff. However... The security camera does not seem to indicate that. And there's two witnesses that have come out. Now, people are going to say, well, these two witnesses are probably fans of Michael Irvin. One of them is a fan of the Eagles who hates the Cowboys. The Eagles and Cowboys are rivalries. Um, and he backed up Michael Irvin. The other guy that was a witness was from Australia, and he'd never really... He doesn't know anything about the NFL and never heard of Michael Irvin. And basically their testimony was that they talked to him 
uh, and Michael Irvin was not drunk and he was very nice and took pictures with them. And right after them was when the woman talked to her. Now they were sitting maybe 10 feet away and how they described it was a, a, you know, nondescript friendly conversation. Anyway, you can go find that if you're interested. But the point is, we are in a situation in our country now, throughout the world, there's been so many people that are convicted. <laughs> you know, uh, this is nothing new, like convicted without evidence. This is nothing new. You go back to Genesis, the story of Joseph becoming a slave, and then as a slave, the slave owner named Potiphar, uh, his wife, started hitting on Joseph. And Joseph turned her down and said, no, you're married. I'm not going to mess with that. And he took off running, and she grabbed a piece of his cloak as he ran off. And she was so upset that she took that piece of cloak, took it to her husband, and accused Joseph of molesting her. And immediately Potiphar threw him in prison. So this is nothing new. <laughs> um, and throughout most, most empires probably are worse than the United States has been. Uh, at least in the Constitution, they're supposed to be, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Now, even the United States has not always, you know, done it that way. But now we're getting to a situation where the judicial system doesn't have to do it because companies will do it. <laughs> because companies care more about their own reputation than they do about facts. You know, if something's going to come out where the Me Too movement or civil rights movement or anything is going to come out and going to give them a bad name, they would much rather punish somebody without evidence than deal with that. And I think that that's wrong. So anyway, um, just something to think about, something that's been on my mind a bit recently. So now let's get on to signs of the end times. I'm going to start in Daniel chapter 12. It says, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at, the, but at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now let me stop here real quick. At the beginning of this chapter says there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation. So in this context, he's talking about the Great Tribulation. Now, in my opinion, based upon other books in the Bible, it talks about the resurrection. But there are two different resurrections. And, um, you know, 
this will be, you know, this isn't necessarily important for this discussion today. But um, anyway, he's talking about some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Um, there is the first resurrection and then there's a thousand years of the millennium and then the second resurrection. So, but um, it's just pointing out all of these things that will be in the end. Um, and the, the last sentence here, it says, uh, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And it's kind of interesting when I think about this, because people are traveling all over the world nowadays, like, you know, just get a ticket, go across the earth, you know, go across the world and then come back a couple of weeks later. Right. That is something that would have taken a lot, you know, so long, you know, even just a hundred years ago um, or even 200 years ago that would have taken a long time. Now, Around the 14th or 15th, 15th century, you started having explorers and the Americas apparently were discovered at that time. Although there is, you know, there was people already here, so there was people that discovered it. But, um, you know, travel was quite slow, you know, back then. And so nowadays with inventions and this lines up with knowledge shall increase and, and let's think about knowledge increasing for a second i was i remember thinking about this years ago but i wanted to kind of talk about it now in the 1800s there was a lot of scientific inventions that were going on that changed things from history so if you think about for thousands and thousands of known history uh, of people, let, let's talk different things. Communication. How did people communicate for thousands of, and thousands of years? Through, you know, talking, <laughs> through language, through writing uh, a letter, uh, maybe smoke signals, things like that. And then all of a sudden you start to have telephones and fax machines and then in the 20th century you start having the internet you know um and just a huge jump and a huge difference to where you could talk to somebody on the other side of the world live <laughs> and now it's to the place where it's not just audio it's video as well so you can zoom and all that stuff right now let's talk about travel up until the 1800s, how did people travel? Through, you know, by walking, by horseback or some kind of animal carrying them, um, or even like a, a chariot or a wagon that would, you know, horses or, or animals would pull, you know, or a boat. But then all of a sudden in the 1800s, you start having trains, automobiles and planes, well, planes in the 20th century, right? And then rocket ships that apparently went to the moon. Now there's different, there's people that don't believe that. I, I don't really know, but anyway, the point is the jump in technology 
after thousands and thousands of years of things being pretty much the same, although there was, you know, improvements on things, but like, then all of a sudden you had to jump to engines, right? <laughs> and being able to travel a lot faster and smoother. Um, so you have, you have uh, communication, travel, um, you know, just different things. Uh, oh, and, and just information. Okay, how did you get information before? Most people, you know, unless you were in a an advanced civilization that had some kind of a library, uh, it was difficult. And, and if it did have a library, you know, I don't know if you had to be rich to to read the books or buy the books or scrolls or whatever it was. But information was difficult to come by, even compared to today, even 50 years ago. <laughs> Although 50 years ago, books were a lot easier to come by than they were uh, a thousand, uh, a hundred years ago, right? And um, nowadays, you can Google anything, although there's a lot of disinformation on there as well. But um, yeah, so when I look at this phrase, uh, verse 4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So that's something to think about. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two other others stood, one on the bank of the stream and one on the bank of the, of the stream. What? One on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the stars of the stream, how long shall it be till end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it, sh it would be for a time, times and half a time. And that when the shattering of the people of the holy people comes to an end of all these things would be uh, would be finished. Now, let me clarify this because uh, time times and half a time is three and a half years. So what he's talking about is the great tribulation. He's not talking about the distance of time from from Daniel to the end times. <laughs> he's talking about the time of the, you know, tribulation or the you know, great difficulty. Oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, uh, he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. So he's telling him to, to move on. This is just what he wants him to write down. And it's not Daniel's business to know everything. Uh, verse 10, many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. But the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arise, arrives at the 1,335 days, but go your way till the end, and you shall rest." and stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. So he's pointing out things that will happen. Some of this, like the 
the burn offering is taken away. Now, there, there's some confusion here because on the one hand, it was taken away in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. However, there is plans of reinstituting the temple and, you know, the burnt offering. So it could happen again. Um, and the reason I think it will is because 1,290 days after 70 AD, I don't know that, uh, you know, that this is was fulfilled. <laughs> now, there are preterists that do believe it was. But anyway... So that's Daniel 12. And then the next passage I want to le read is Matthew 24. Starting in verse 1, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them. So I, I think the disciples were kind of showing off like, aren't, aren't you impressed by this temple? <laughs> But Jesus answered and said, you see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will be not left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, I want to point out something that I don't hear a lot of people point out. But, but I think this is how I see this question. The disciples are assuming that the tearing down of the temple and the coming of the Son of Man, the second coming, or the sign of his coming, is the same thing. Now, in their mind, they might be thinking that the sign of the coming is when Jesus rises up to be the political savior of Israel. Because that was kind of a common belief at the time, was that the Messiah would, you know, bring about, you know, restore the kingdom of Israel. Uh, so they, they probably were mistaken in, in their own thinking of what the answer would be. <laughs> but I'm going to answer it this, uh, well, not answer it. I'm going to assume, this is what I think, you know, the tearing down of the temple when Jesus said that happened in 70 AD. And I'm not convinced that it's going to happen again, although there is plans on rebuilding a temple today. So it could. Like if, if they rebuild a temple, I think it would be a temple of apostasy because the real temple, the next temple of God, will come down from heaven. So I think that that temple will be destroyed as well. But And that will be at the t sign of the coming. <laughs> of the Son of Man. So a little confusion there. Jesus doesn't necessarily clarify that, but he goes on to answer their question. <clears throat> and Jesus answered them, this is verse 4, See that no one leads you astray. Now, the King James, I believe, says, See that no one deceives you. Right? Either way. And, you know, this is the number, the first thing he says, do not be deceived, you know, don't let anyone lead you astray, however the other translations say it. And this is very important, you know, 
to not be led astray. How do you not be led astray? Well, Jesus gave us the truth in the Bible. And there are people that want to make followers of themselves and, uh, and, and twist things in Scripture to, to uh, benefit themselves, right? And not the truth. So that's what I would say. And also be in a lot of prayer for discernment of things that are happening. Anyway, let me uh, continue. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now, let me um, stop here, because... Wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilences and earthquakes have happened ever since the fall, <laughs> pretty much, ever since Adam and Eve fell. So how is this a sign? Well, it's interesting. Not all the translations say this, but in the English Standard Version that I'm reading here, it says, these are the beginning of the birth pains. Now, birth pains increase as you get closer to the birth, right? And so there is this idea that wars and famines will increase as you get closer to the end. I saw a chart, and you can look this up yourself, of mega um, natural disasters, such as um, earthquakes. And if you look at the number of earthquakes that are higher than a certain level, uh, and, you know, I don't know how they're numbered. <laughs> so, uh, but before, like, the 1950s, you rarely, if ever, heard of an earthquake at a certain level. But since the 50s, it has exponentially increased. Uh, probably the same with tornadoes and hurricanes as well, but you can look that up yourself. But I, I remember seeing charts to this degree, to this, you know, on this uh, as well. Now, wars and rumors of wars, have they increased? I think because population has increased and the, the amount of quality land to live on has, you know, is, is a small portion of the earth that more and more people are going to be fighting over those things, right? I mean, it, it makes sense. And with the increase of, of weaponry and everything over the last 100 years, you know, if we have another world war, it's very scary because of the kinds of weapons that they have created. But what does he say here? He says, the end is not yet, but these are the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now, this did happen in the first century, right? So I think that there's a parallel here and something to consider that in their generation, they were being put into persecution. Now, persecution has also happened throughout the church age. So that's also something to, to, to note here. 
and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many, well, let me stop there. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not aware of the time, of, you know, of Israel. I know that um, Israel started to, or not Israel, they were Judea at the time. Judea, the, the leaders of Judea, started to persecute Christians. So that, that you could look at that verse that way. But it says, hate one another and betray one another. You know, um, perhaps that means they betray their own people, that is the Christians. But I think in the last days, you will have a lot of Christians apostatize as well and begin to divide and we, we've seen a huge increase of that in the last few years. Um, a lot of supposed or former Christians have gone woke, you know, have gone and, and, and now hate fundamental Christianity. And it's very sad to see. But I think it might get worse in the future. But anyway, that is a sign. Um, and then it says, verse 11, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness will be increased. Interesting. <clears throat> and um, you could look at that in, in different ways. Could it be that the lawlessness of sexual, you know, guidelines that's been happening here recently? Could it be kind of an anarchy situation? Um, you know, and then it says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, I, I want to say this, like when, when a culture or society is friendly towards Christianity, it's easy to be a Christian. And I think that at least in the South, for most of my life, Christianity has been, you know, the, or culture has been friendly towards Christianity. And even to this day in the South, there is still somewhat of a friendly, uh, friendliness towards Christianity, although it's really decreased here recently. But in other parts of the United States, and especially in other parts of the world, Christianity has been hated. And the more Christianity is hated in a culture, the, the less likely you're going to have, or, or the less you're going to have fake Christians. <laughs> and so when society turns against Christianity, you will see a lot of people that had gone to church fall away. So I think this has probably happened in other cultures as well over time. So this is nothing new, but I think in, on a grand scale, this will happen, you know, and in the United States, we're starting to see it happen right now. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So when, when society is turning against God, are you going to hang on to, to the truth, you know, and say, 
despite the fact that people are turning against God and turning against me as a result, as I follow Jesus, I'm going to keep following Jesus. Now, this is the verse that I think is very telling. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So one huge sign is that the gospel will reach every nation, and then the end will come. And we have seen that. Now, in the first century, it did reach the known world, that is the Roman Empire. But in the last century, it has pretty much reached the entire earth. And there might be some isolated tribes out there that, that we haven't reached yet. But we are very close. So that, to me, is another sign that we are close to the end times. Now I'd like to play a song by a Christian rap group called End Time Warriors, also known as ETW. And here's a song they did called The End Times. Once again, that is ETW, also known as End Time Warriors, and the song is The End Time. So if you like that, check them out. They're one of my favorite Christian rap groups. And um, yeah, so anyway, I'm going to continue now. Now in the rest of Matthew 24, it goes right into the Great Tribulation, which I believe is still yet future. So uh, I'm not going to continue in that chapter, but I am going to mention a few things that the Bible talks about that I don't think would have been possible before recent times, and things are still being put into place. For example, a final kingdom that will take over the entire earth. Now we're going to, in the next episode, we're going to get into the you know kingdoms of the world. And the final kingdoms, and uh, and and we'll get more into that. But 
just for the sake of this one, the signs of the end times, it talks about kingdom, a kingdom that will take over the whole earth. Now, in the last, well, let me just say this. The United States has military bases all over the world. And either they are the end time kingdom or they will be replaced by it. But the point is, nowadays, the capacity and the ability to have military worldwide and rule the entire world is definitely possible. I remember back um, when, when my family did a Civil War tour <laughs> over the summer and uh, the weeks, months leading up to that, we watched a documentary, uh, the Ken Burns documentary on the Civil War. And one of the things that was interesting is that the last battle took place months after the war was officially over. And it was in Brownsville, Texas, where I used to live. But the point is that the communication uh, was slow enough to where there were still people fighting after the war was officially over. Nowadays, information gets around so much quicker. And so when something is over, everybody knows it pretty much on the same day, <laughs> right? Um, so it's when you think back to like the British Empire, although they, they were more widespread than anybody had been up until that point, you know, the British Empire uh, was the first that could say the sun never sets on the, on the British empire. They had colonies in, uh, the United States. Well, which in North America, I should say the United States didn't exist. They had colonies in South Africa in India and Australia. They had colonized all of those things. And as a result, they were so spread out. They, the sun never set, you know, Rome could never say that. Rome only took over Europe and maybe uh, parts of the Middle East and North Africa, right? Compar comparatively speaking, Britain in the, what, 16, 17, 1800s got really widespread. So the fact that one of the predictions is that a king final kingdom will trample over the whole earth... I think is a sign that we're, you know, the fact that that could not have happened before. <laughs> and now that's a, very plausible. Here's another one. It talks in the book of Revelation, it talks about two witnesses that are good. They're, these are good guys that are going out and evangelizing, preaching the word and every, you know, the world hates them, not Christian. Christians, you know, obviously love them, but the world hates them. But, um, you know, fire comes out of their mouths and all this stuff, you know, is they have the ability to, for, to call fire out of heaven and, and <laughs> do miraculous things. But eventually the rulers of this world will kill them. And their bodies will be laying in the street. And it says the entire world will see them 
and rejoice at their bodies. Now, think about that for a second. The entire earth will see them. At the time that that was written, how would that be possible? (laughs) But nowadays, you got YouTube, you know, you got television, you got internet, where people can view the entire, you know, people can all see something at once. You know, you hear the term that things go viral. And you've got, you know, a situation where everybody could see two people dead in the streets at the same time. So these are all things to, you know, to consider. And um, I don't know if I have much else. It's going to be short of an hour. But to me, these are just, you know, things that the Bible talks about that were that could not have been true before. Now, there are other things that still need to happen, obviously. Um, but here, here's another one. I'll go ahead and, and, and point out this, because this was in the news a, f- a couple of years ago. The Abraham Accord. Now, for most of my life, I heard that the Antichrist would lead a peace treaty in the Middle East. Uh, Now, this was how a lot of prophetic teachers spoke. Now, that was unthinkable 25, 30 years ago because, you know, the Muslim nations, and still today, a lot of Muslims and and Israelites, the, the Muslims don't like the state of Israel, right? But there's been a lot of breakthrough in the last several years and the Abraham Accords, which, uh, took place a few years ago, um, was huge. <clears throat> and, um, and so that's another one. Uh, here's another thing, cause it talks about a one world, you know, the antichrist system and all that. You can go on YouTube and search for world governing summit. You can even Google it or whatever, you know, find the website, what have you. There's already world leaders that get together to plan upcoming things, such as a digital currency, a cashless society, as it were. Now, this is another thing that was predicted in the Bible, a mark that will be put on people's hand or forehead and no one could buy or sell without this mark. Now, how that would have worked back then, I don't know. But nowadays, there's ideas like, you know, I remember seeing in the news like 20 years ago that they were talking about putting microchips in people, and then you just you just scan your hand or your forehead <laughs> to buy or sell. So technologically speaking, it's, it's in, you know, it's very plausible that, you know, some system could be done or that could be a barcode or whatever, you know, there could be different ways that that could take place. But, um, you know, buying and selling by a number, well, in the United States, we've had a social security number for over a hundred years, I think. I don't know exactly what year that was put into place, but yeah. Um, you know, and then you think about the two world wars, you had the first world war led to the league of nations and that was kind of weak. 
The Second World War led to the United Nations, which has is still around to this day. That was in the 40s. And, you know, you, you have leaders from many, many different countries that get together and discuss worldly affairs. And so the idea that uh, a unifying body could get together and create a one-world government is not far-fetched at all. You know, the United Nations wants to set up a world uh, ju- judicial system, a world court, a global constitution, as it will. And then George Bush Sr. talked about the new world order. And so if you are paying attention, you don't have to necessarily believe in uh, Bible prophecy. You don't have to believe in conspiracies. You can see this stuff happening in the news or them talking about this stuff in the news. Even the spirit of it, it seems now... Here's the thing. If you're not aware of conspiracies, if you're not aware of Bible prophecy, you might think, oh, when the world comes together in peace, that's a good thing. And logically, it does seem that way. But according to prophecy, it's not a good thing. The person that's going to lead it is the Antichrist, right? And the spirit of the Antichrist, I think... There's a song by John Lennon called Imagine, which I think is very much the spirit of Antichrist. And um, in the 60s, you started having a lot of these hippies talking about world peace and being against war and all that stuff, which, you know, that stuff sounds good. And it is good. You know, war is bad. However... But don't, you know, don't take my word for it. Don't take the Bible prophecy necessarily for it. Look at what they want to implement on a world stage. They want to create a socialist global system. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that think socialism is good. But I have news for you. It is not good. It is enslavement. It is where the rulers control everything you know communism is an example of this um but i think it will eventually become a monarchy is really where it's heading so um these are things so i I talked about things that only started happening in the last 100 years so when you look at bible prophecy you realize a lot of this stuff could not have happened until recently. Now, there's still things that need to take place, obviously. We don't have 10 kings ruling the, the earth. And again, some of these terms I'm saying we will get more into in future episodes. The next one's going to be on kingdoms, including the final kingdom. And... uh So that's going to be interesting. And um, yeah, uh, I've added a little bit to get close to an hour, but I think this is about it. So thank you all and have a wonderful day. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hendrick.
This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 16, 18. Proverbs 4, instruction.